Thank you so much, Greg and uh, Josh and team, worship team this morning. It's such an amazing time. Uh, before I get started, I just, you know, a, a little news clip popped up for me this morning saying that, you know, while the numbers of COVID patients or, or the number of uh, people uh, that were tested positive for COVID uh, dropped yesterday, there's now over 900 people in ICUs across this province with, uh, because of COVID-19. And I just, I want us to take a moment and pray. Because that's 900 individuals, it's 900 families that are being affected at this moment in time, as well as, you know, the, all the healthcare workers that are just being stretched to the max at this moment in time. So let's join together and, and just pray. Jesus, I know that you're literally there with each one of these patients. And, and we pray Lord, for the healthcare workers, for every person that is suffering right now in ICUs, outside of ICUs, and just where things are in this province. God, we pray. We pray for miraculous healings and recovery for all 900 of those people. We pray for strength for the families that are, that are struggling right now, that are dealing with their loved ones in the hospitals. Because that's not just, the 900 isn't just the number of people in the hospital, that's just the ones in ICU. Father, we pray for our leaders that are trying to navigate us through this crisis. And we pray, God, that this would quickly come to an end. We pray that, that just your help and your strength for everyone, God. And, and Lord, where we don't know what to pray, where are the times we don't know what to pray? We thank you that you will lead us and guide us. We just partner with you. We thank you that there's hope for each one of those families. There's hope for, for this province. There's hope for our leaders. There's hope for us. And this will end. Just give us the strength to persevere through this season, to push through this season, Lord. We pray for, for the vaccines to come and for people to not be afraid. We pray for protection over people getting vaccinated so that this would come to an end. We have to keep, you know, regardless of our opinions, regardless of what we know or don't know, there's real human lives, there's real people that are being affected day in, day out by what's going on with COVID. And there's real people in our healthcare system that are, you know, that are being affected. Not only are they being stretched in their jobs, their families are being affected. There's people getting sick. There's people dying every day. And this has been going on for a year. And at times we can look and go, there's no hope. Or when is it going to end? And I know this, I've been frustrated. I, you know, you've been frustrated and we just want to meet together. We just want to be together. So let's do everything we can, you know, to help, to help stop uh, this virus from being able to spread so that, you know, so that this time will come to an end. And we're incredibly fortunate. You know, every time I pray or think about vaccines, I go, man, we are so fortunate because we will have them in our country. Are they as fast as what's happened in the UK? Will it be as fast as what's happened in in uh, the United States or Israel, some of the other countries? No, it may be a little slower in Canada. But there's going to be billions of people around the world. They're going to have to wait a very long time. 
And we know because we're this multicultural community with people with, with relatives and friends and family all around the world. We know how badly this is affecting other countries. You know, we, had, we have people that are, are losing family members, that are losing friends, you know, that have this past week lost family or friends you know, in other parts of the world to this, this disease, this virus. And so may we continue to hold this situation up in prayer and, and, and walk with Jesus in it. You know, with that, I'm, I'm talking today, we, last week uh, I introduced an, a video teaching by Tim Mackey of the Bible Project, just talking on, well, you know, what's the, the big picture of the Bible and Christianity and the ultimate message of it. And, and I put out there, if there were any questions for people to, to message me or email in, I didn't get any emailed questions. I had one person text me with, with some, some comments and questions, so I want to address those today. Uh, and, and they're good. It's great. You know, and, and one person asking a question, there's often many people that have that question. So as I'm talking today, I'll definitely address that question. And I also want to take us on, on a journey a little bit further in this, because it's the incredible thing. When we understand you know, the true message of the Bible and the true message of the gospel, it gets rid of all the weird theology that we can come up with. It stops us, as the scripture says, about us being blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And it keeps us centered on Jesus. It keeps us centered on what matters for us as Christians. And it allows us to be able to communicate with other people around us what the real gospel is. Because we as Christians have false perceptions and misconceptions about things about the Bible, about things the Bible teaches, and those that don't know Jesus certainly have many misconceptions about what the Bible teaches and what Jesus came to do. And it's so important that we have an understanding of where our hope lies and are able to just be able to share with other people the real hope of Jesus. Because the real hope with Jesus is incredibly simple. Following Jesus actually isn't complicated, but it's, it's this journey of, of understanding who he is, that he is you know, God, and that he did, God himself to, you know, took on the sin of the world for each one of us, that, that he took on the very thing that separates us from him so that you know, we wouldn't need to be separated from him anymore. That those of us that where we where mankind had introduced sin into the world, that Jesus came and dealt with it once and for all, and it's incredibly good news as as it talks about. So the question that came in had to do with Tim's comments of saying that you know that that uh, humans created hell, that we that hell is here on earth, and that you know we live under the effects of hell, and that can be a confusing statement. But I'm going to start off, and I'm not going to be able to answer this all today because I don't really want to focus on hell. But there's, I'll start by saying that if you go onto the Bible Project website and in, in the search you type in hell, you'll find a number of teachings. Tim has a number of podcasts. One of the podcasts he had is like called, I think it's Understanding Your Strange Bible, and, and it, where he really wants to help people understand what the Bible teaches and, and understand the Bible in context. And within that, he's got a four-part series that he posted uh, in September of 2017 on heaven and hell, or, or heaven and earth. And he really gets into you know, these concepts and, and explains them in depth. 
So I'm going to really, you know, where there is four hours of him explaining these concepts, I'm going to try to explain it in about four minutes. So obviously he won't be going into it in, as in depth as he did, but just to help us understand what was, was being taught there. And first of all, I, you know, I would say I, I very much agree, and the Bible agrees, and this is where what Tim started in his teaching, saying, look, we've got to be able to humble ourselves to the Bible, you know, and not just go with what the things that we've been taught or maybe how we've understood things. So first I'll say, actually, this term hell is an English term. It's not a biblical term. There's a whole lot of history behind it. It's an idea that's been shaped throughout history. And so even our concept, when we say this word hell, it can mean a lot of different things to different people. There's a history to it, but it's not a biblical term. You know, the, the word hell was never, wasn't in the Bible. There's a lot of things in the Bible we translate is in this word hell. But we want to look at what the Bible actually teaches on these things, not just what, how things have traditionally been translated. And so let's start with the concept that Tim started with in the Garden of Eden and saying that when God teaches us, when the Bible teaches us about creation, he doesn't say that God created heaven, earth, and hell. He says that he created heaven and earth. You know? and, so, and when you actually go through the Bible, you're never going to find something that talks about God creating this place you know, called hell. And so it's not, that's not me saying it doesn't exist, and it's not that Tim doesn't teach that it exists. It's that hell, as a concept, is our separation from God. And we here on earth live separated from God. And by separating ourselves from God, when we made the choice, when Adam and Eve made the choice to separate themselves from God in the Garden of Eden, you know, they introduced these things we call sin and death into the world. We, they introduced people living separate from God, wanting to live on their own terms, and the ramifications that that has for all of mankind. And the rest of the Bible starts explaining the ramifications. We see the story throughout Genesis and throughout the first five books of the Bible of just what happens when people live separated from God. We see it continue throughout the Old Testament of just the things that people do to one another when they live separate from God. And you know, this concept of, of hell, we just need to look around us. We need to, you know, most of us listening today were born, you know, it, in the uh, 20th century. You know, a majority of us were. And, you know, in the 20th century, more people, more humans were killed at the hands of other humans than any other time in history. It was a terrible, terrible, bloody century. You know, where we, we just brutalized one another. But that's our history. Our history is, you know, why, did, why was there more? Because probably the population was greater. Because we've been doing that for our entire history. From our moment of rebellion against God, we have been destroying one another. We destroy one another with our words. We destroy one another with actions. We destroy one another with greed, with selfishness, with all these different things. The effects of our separation from God are very real and very present. And even when we've given our life to Jesus and we've been made new again, we still have that ability to live, to make choices separate from God because we have free will. And so we can still be selfish. We still can be angry. We still can do things that are, that are so opposite of God, of his nature, and, and how it is that we're meant to be. We can murder one another. We can do these things that would seem so wrong 
You know, we go, let's go against. But we have this capacity. And it's this capacity within us that we are allowing God to transform the more and more we're willing to surrender to Him. The more and more I'll say that we're willing to fully trust Him. We're willing to trust Him. That trust is so important. Because that's Jesus dealt with sin and death. The consequences of sin, of our rebellion, our desire to take things on our own, was death. Right? That we see that in in Genesis says, look, you're introducing, if you eat from the tree in the knowledge of good and evil, you're introducing death into the world. You know, that's the consequence of this. They knew the consequence when they, when they ate from it. You know, they're saying, you will surely die. But what Jesus did when Jesus came is he became the ultimate sacrifice for sin and death. He, once and for all, you know, absorbed, he took on in him the consequences not consequences from god it wasn't god punishing jesus it was the the reality of this of the of of everything of sin jesus taking that all on in his flesh once and for all and saying mankind will no longer need you know no longer be separate from god it's it's incredible it's incredible what Jesus has done for us. It's an incredible hope because we all have the ability now to once again be live fully connected, fully alive in God. But if you've been a Christian for any period of time, you know, you see the reality that there are times when you, you make choices from your old nature. And the book of Romans talks about this so well, where we, we know what we ought to do, but we still do the wrong thing. And what's the hope for that? It's Jesus. And the amazing thing is, is that we really, as we walk with him, as we live surrendered to him, like Tim talked about, God gets the hell out of us. He gets it out of us. These consequences of sin and death, the, cons- the, 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 the tendencies of us to want to, feel, to be in control, to try to control others, to do things our own way, to not trust God. And we learn to, we can live in true joy and true peace because of this it's an amazing thing now is hell also a place yes and when jesus refers to hell or how we translate hell a majority of time like for example in the book of matthew he's there we're using this word uh, gaiana right and gaiana was referring to the valley of him himen and uh that, that literally is if you t- if you look at what gaiana was it was the valley of Hinnom at that time particular time in, in the history uh, of, of, the, of Israel, Jerusalem, it was a garbage dump. It was a place where trash was burned. But it was a very physical place. It was very much really there on the earth. It was very, the, the image that when Jesus would speak of this thing we translate as hell, the people who would all in their minds think of this valley of him, this burning trash heap. But it wasn't just a burning trash heap, right? It wasn't like your local garbage dump you know, down the road where they just happened to burn trash. It was, it was a much more significant image for those people. And so to understand this image, we're going to go back to Jeremiah 19, starting at verse 1. Just give me a moment here. There we go. So it's going to be on the screen as well. I'm reading from the, new, the NIV version. And it's here in Jeremiah that we see what actually happened historically, biblically, in this valley of Himmon. So Jeremiah 1, this is what the Lord says. Go and buy 
a clay jar from a potter. Take along some of the elders of the people and the priests and go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnom, near the entrance of the post-herd gate. There proclaim the words I tell you and say, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah and people of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, I am going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. For they have forsaken me and made this a place of foreign gods. They have burned incense in it to the gods that to gods that neither they nor their ancestors nor the kings of Judah ever knew, and they have filled this place with the blood of innocent. They have built the high places of Baal and burnt their children in the fire as offerings to Baal, something I did not command or mention, nor did it ever enter my mind. So beware, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call this place Topitha or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom but they'll call it the valley of slaughter. In this place, I will ruin the plans of Judah and Jerusalem. I will make them fall by the sword before their enemies. At the hands of those who want to kill them, I will give their carcasses as food to the birds and wild animals. I will devastate the city and make it an object of horror and scorn. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff because of all its wounds. So, this place that Jesus refers to as hell, or well, he doesn't call it hell, he refers to Guyana. This place, he's, he's bringing up this image for people of a place where people had sacrificed children. They literally were in rebellion in, in people of, the, of Judah had literally sacrificed their children to the god Baal or his other ones that they say, uh, sacrifice them to. They behaved in such a rebellious and detestable way, so opposite of who God is. Their, their behavior was so not that of how they had been created by their creator to be, that they had become so debased that they were literally burning their own children in fire. And it's in this place that God says, look, your behavior is such that that's it. You know, and in this very place where you were sacrificing, you were doing these things, that it's there that you will be destroyed. I am, I am, I'm going to cast judgment on this behavior and I'm going to have to wipe you out because you've gotten so far away from who it is that I created you to be. And so that's the image that we see. In, in when in Jesus talking, and and our and the biblical writers writing of what we describe as hell. Now, is there a place? Is there a final judgment? Is there a final separation? Absolutely. Absolutely. We see that in Scripture as well. There is a final separation that happens. At the time when Jesus returns, there will be a separation. And Tim painted a beautiful picture of that, an understanding that when the new heaven and new earth are formed, that which was separate, is there is no place for it in it. And there will be a final separation of those for the people that do not want God, that they want to go their own way, that they want to live in total rebellion against God, that they won't be able to come in and corrupt the new heaven and the new earth, that that they they won't have that option. I love in in some of the teachings he said, look, hell is not going to be a surprise. 
You know, for, for people that have chosen rebellion against God, they're not going to be surprised that's where they're going. And for those of us that have, for those that have chosen to follow God, it won't be a surprise you know, that, that we are united with Him. C.S. Lewis has a number, there's, was, we, there's a quote that was spoken by Tim last week. There's another quote he has. He says, you know, the, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. That it's, it's our rebellious choice. It's our desire to live separate from God that keeps us separate from Him. But this, this, our understanding you know, of our God, is, it needs to be one that He is so good. That he is so good that He would make it so that no one needs to go to hell. You know, his desire is not that anyone would. His desire is that we would live a life of love, joy, and peace. We'd live united with him, that this earth would be a place of peace, that we would be a place of peace, that we'd understand the abundance of this world, that we'd understand that we don't need to live from greed. We don't need to not take care of those that have less, but that we can because there's an abundance there for all of his creation. And we tap into that the more we learn to trust in God. The more each one of us learns to, to, to accept this incredible gift of salvation that we sang about this morning. You know, this, and you know, learn to, that God actually wants to partner with us to bring about what's good for His world and for our lives. You know, when we can get rid of this image of an angry God. And you know, God is not happy with how we have you know, corrupted His world. But when God created this world, He declared that it was good. Is that which corrupts it good? No, it's not. He doesn't want it to be corrupted. But he's, he's made it possible through Jesus that each and every one of us you know, can come back on his plan and, and learn to live his way. And in his way, we have these weird images at times. Again, his way is not that he wants everyone in a church service 24-7. He wants his children. You know, he wants those that have accepted him how, what to become to, to live life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control to those around them. To, to do good, to steward this earth well, to steward our lives well, to steward our families well, to treat each other as equals, to care for one another, to care about how we treat one another, how are we affect one another. That's what it's all about. And it's been this amazing time during this pandemic because we've had this pause, this reset, where our traditions have been interrupted. And maybe some of those traditions weren't so good. Because anything that makes us too busy, too tired, you know, too stressed out to be able to love people well around us, we've missed the point entirely. And so, as we journey, you know, I started last year at the beginning of the pandemic with taking us through a book by a guy, Dallas Willard, you know, The Renovation of the Heart, and, and preaching a lot you know, of the concepts of that. And all those concepts were about us allowing God to transform us from the inside out, right? To transform us, when I say inside out, I mean transform the way that we think, the way that we, we believe, and, and our and learn to get control of things like fear and anger and selfishness and you know pride 
and learning to live lives that are humble and surrendered to Him. They're lives of love and joy and peace where we're not chasing after you know, the things of the world, but that we're, we're living lives of peace. When I say not chasing after the things of the world, not feeling like we've got to be totally in control. But that you know, we can go to our jobs at peace knowing that you know, we are there working for God, that even if we're not being treated well or we, we, you know, we're not liking it, that we can find an inner source of joy and peace to live from and rejoice. You know, that with our families, you know, in our marriages, that we can live in a place of joy and peace. That's an incredible thing. In all of our relationships, that's how we're meant to live. But we live that way when we start going, okay, you know what? I don't need to take care of myself. I don't need to watch out for myself. I don't, it's not about me. Uh, I'm not on my own. I'm connected to the creator of the universe. Who the Bible tells me he's the one that gives me the ability to produce wealth. You know, that he will take care of me, that he knows everything that I need and I don't need to worry. I can trust him. And I can follow Him. And He knows what I need. He knows what I need to function in this world. He needs, knows the, that I need a job. He knows that I need an income. He knows that you know, my family needs the things that my family needs. He knows how expensive it is to live in the GTA. And He knows how to take care of us through all of that. That's the God that you follow. And the things that's most important to Him through the teachings, what Jesus taught and who the rest of the New Testament teaches is how we treat one another. What's most important to him is that we would love him with all our heart, mind, and spirit, and we would love our neighbor as ourselves. What does that mean? Well, that we would love God. And if we love God, it means we trust him and we'll do things his way. You know, for us to love our neighbor as ourselves, we've also got to love us. You know, but we don't love ourselves at the expense of others. Because we love ourselves, we love others because we know that God loves them too. So may we live this gospel incredibly well. May we live this good news, this good news that we've been recreated, that the God of the universe cares about us so much, the one that created this world and the universe, that he loves us so much that he would take on, you know, he would take on the consequences of, of our introduction of sin, of rebellion into the world. He would absorb those in himself, take, the, take all of that at the cross so that we would no longer live under the consequences of those things. That he, that he loves us that much that he would die for us. And, you know, because of that, we now live in this united relationship with Him. And that He wants to partner with, take care of. He wants us to be dependent on Him. He wants us to know we can be dependent on Him. That's the incredible thing of the Gospel. So love well. I want to encourage you, if there is stuff going on in your marriage, deal with it. If there's division between husband and wife, if there's a division in a family between parents and children, I encourage you that because of who God is, because of how He wants to work in your life, that you would surrender to Him and surrender to a process of reconciliation because God wants you reconciled to Him and to one another. If you are living with an issue between you and a family member or a friend, then deal with that. And we deal with this by being humble. 
by not going, I've got to meet my needs, but by going, how do I partner with this person? How do I you know, help? How do I serve the other person? How do I help understand them? Let's live true love because we've got hope, amazing hope, and faith in everything that Jesus has given, done for us. And that's why we have hope because we know how this ends. We know that God is a good God who's already taken on the price of sin so that as we're walking our lives, regardless of how imperfect we are, He's committed to us. And on that day of final judgment, you know, we have hope because of what Jesus has done and we've accepted that and we've chosen to live our life in Him. Friends, Lifehouse, we love you. Anyone watching for the first time, we love you as well. And I just pray that you would have an amazing week. Let's keep this province in prayer, the people in hospital in prayer, our leaders in prayer, and and let's trust this pandemic to end soon. I'll pass back to Greg. James, thank you so much for the message this morning. That was amazing. And uh, just as, as you were talking, I was just reminded of what Isaiah says about the coming Messiah, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And, and we recognize that that's Jesus, uh, the one who paid it all for us. And the Bible says that his kingdom is ever increasing. Uh, his, his glory is continuing to spread all across the earth. And we pray that even this week for, for each one of you, that heaven would show up in your home that heaven would show up in your family, in your marriages, in your workplace, in your relationships, wherever you go, that, that we would see his kingdom come and his will be done in our lives. And so church, we bless you. Have an amazing week. Continue to know and live in the fullness of his love and give it away. Amen. God bless you.